the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs. When you think of Proverbs, you normally don't think of a, of a book that, um, you know, it has some interesting parts to it, but sometimes it's overlooked because there is a collection of sayings. The book of Proverbs is basically that. It's fragmented sections and sections of sayings from primarily King Solomon. Not everything from the book of Proverbs is from King Solomon. However, the majority of the sayings in the book is from Solomon. We're not definite that everything that's written in Proverbs is from Solomon, but we know that most of it and the majority of it is. And basically, it's just a collection of wise sayings for practical Christian living. Now, obviously, when it was written, they didn't know anything about Christianity, but we know, looking at the book, it gives us practical advice for Christian living. So if you want to summarize what the book of Proverbs is about, the book of Proverbs is a collection of sayings. And some of these sayings do, are not connected to one another. It almost as if you read the book of Proverbs, there's a saying here about adultery, and there's a saying here about somebody gossiping. It's just collections of different wise sayings, primarily from Solomon. Some of them, uh, most of them are from Solomon, but not all of them are. And so the word proverb actually comes from the Hebrew word, which means to govern or to rule. To govern or to rule. So when you think of proverbs, what we are actually saying is, is that we are looking at some wise sayings to help us govern our life or to rule our life. How many knows that we're living in a generation where uh, we need some wisdom more than ever. We need some wisdom in how to live our life, how to conduct our life, how to go about our daily business. And the book of Proverbs is an excellent source of wise sayings that we can apply to our life. And so Proverbs comes from, let me just make sure you understand, Proverbs comes from a Hebrew word which means to govern or to rule. And it's a collection of wise sayings primarily from Solomon. So what we're doing, in essence, is taking these wise sayings and we're using them to help govern our life so that we can live a life that pleases God. One thing that I want you to see about the book of Proverbs, that the book of Proverbs is primarily about wisdom, about how to live a godly or righteous life. And the book of Proverbs seems to suggest that there are two ways to live. There is the righteous way and there is the wicked way or the unrighteous way or uh, the, the fool. The scripture in the book of Proverbs will use the word fool often. So the book of Proverbs gives us two distinct ways of living. The righteous way and it also gives us the unrighteous way or those who live a foolish life. So really it's left up to us whether we want to live a righteous life or we want to live a foolish life. And the book of Proverbs gives us the indication that it is only by wisdom that we make the decision to live a righteous life or we live a foolish life. And if you can think about it, that holds so much truth. It is only a decision that governs whether you live a righteous life or a foolish life. I can preach and preach and preach and you can even sense the power of God in your life. But if you don't make the decision 
to apply the principles and precepts of the Word of God to your life, you will end up living a foolish life instead of a righteous life. Can I hear an amen? So there is the righteous way of living, and there is the foolish way of living. How many would raise your hand and say, I want to live the righteous way of life? I want to live the way of life. Do you know there is a second century, second century document, second century document called the Didache, and I think it's spelled D-I-D-A-C-H-E, something, I could be off a little bit, Didache, some would pronounce it the Diache. Now, if you have your phone, you could look right there. How many's ever heard of this second century document? Raise your hand. Several of you have heard of it. And in this second century document, it almost made it into the canon of Scripture. It almost made it. It would have been a part of our Scripture, but at the, to make a long story short, it didn't make it into the canon of Scripture. But many theologians use it because it is first, some say it's first century. I would suggest it's second century. And in this document, it also talks about the way of the righteous and the way of death. And the didache comes from the Greek word which means teaching, teaching. And so many think it's the teaching of the 12 apostles, the teaching of the 12 apostles. If that is true, it's interesting that in this second century document, it is talking about the way of the righteous and the way of those who live a foolish life, foolish life. And the Didache refers to that as the way of death versus the way of life. So what am I saying to you? There are only two ways of living. It's the way of the righteous or the way of death. You're either righteous tonight or you're wicked. There is no in-between. I hate to say that. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but I think that the Scripture is clear, not only in the book of Proverbs, but I think it's clear throughout the New Testament and even the Old Testament that there is only two ways. It's the way of the wicked and the way of the righteous. The Scripture refers to the way of the righteous as those who are planted by rivers of living water. The wicked are those who will prosper for a season, but the Scripture tells us in the end, their foolishness will be their folly. Can I hear an amen? So you have to make that decision, whether I'm on the way of the righteous or I'm in the way of the wicked. You know, David kind of corresponds to what Solomon said. David kind of corresponds to what Solomon said. You see, David said in Psalms chapter 1, he said, he said, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night, and he shall be like a tree. He shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does, it will prosper. And then verse number four, David echoes almost the same thing that Solomon will echo in the book of Proverbs. The ungodly are not so. In other words, there are two ways of living here. There is the way of the ungodly, the way of the wicked, and there is the way of the righteous. And he gives a very distinct description of those who live the righteous life and those who live the unrighteous life. Those who are living the righteous life are those who are planted. They're not like those who are just fly-by-night Christians. They don't, they're, they're not like the wind. They don't fly. They're planted. They're solid. They meditate. Their mind is thinking upon the law of the Lord. And it's interesting to me that the book of Proverbs deals 
a whole lot about what you think because what you think determines whether you are planted or whether you are potted. There's a lot of Christians that's just potted and then there's lots of Christians that's planted. You know what I'm saying. And your thinking really determines how stable you really are. You see, the book of Proverbs talks about a plethora of things. Plethora of things. Plethora of Christian Christian practical way of living. And I'm going to mention several of them to you. Number one, the book of Proverbs starts with, it, and I'm going to give you some general themes found in the book of Proverbs. If you're taking notes, you can write these general themes found in the book of Proverbs. These are the themes that keep reoccurring throughout the book of Proverbs. It's, if you pick up the book of Proverbs and you read the 31 chapters, you will find these themes reoccurring throughout the whole book. The number one thing that you will see is that it speaks that wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord. Everybody say the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord. Wisdom comes by the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord. The word fear in the word in Hebrew means respect. Fear, wisdom begins by respecting the Lord, by respecting the Lord. When you fear something, there is a respect for it. When you fear something, there is an obedience or submission to it. So wisdom always begins with a relationship with the Lord by respecting what the Lord says. Amen? Wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. The scripture is clear that the Bible says in Proverbs chapter number 1, verse number 20. Proverbs chapter 1, verse number 20. Uh, Solomon here says that wisdom here is crying aloud on the streets. Wisdom he uses in female, uh, in a feminine uh, uh, voice here, that, that wisdom is crying out in the streets. Her voice is in the open squares. The Bible says she, uh, uh, she's opening the gates, 22, and she's saying, how long is simple ones going to ignore wisdom? You know, if you continue to read this. And so uh, there is a plead for people to seek after wisdom. And what I like about it, if you read the whole chapter, it's simply saying this, that wisdom is at our fingertips, but yet people are not seeking for it. They're not pursuing after it. It's so, it's so, uh, it's so close to us. It's, it, we, can, we can run after, we can have it, but yet people are not pursuing after it. And uh, wisdom is crying aloud on the streets. And you further, he goes on to say in chapter number 2, Proverbs chapter 2, he says, My son, if you receive my words, treasure my commandments within you, and you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment, lift up your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search her, search for her as hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Here is this idea in chapter 1 and chapter 2 that you've got to seek after wisdom. Wisdom is like a treasure that's buried. You've got to pursue after wisdom. You've got to run after wisdom. Wisdom is crying aloud on the streets. Wisdom is crying out, and yet simple, foolish people are ignoring the cry for wisdom. He says, if you receive it, if you receive it and you treasure it and you incline your ear to it, then chapter 2 says that you will be, you will walk uprightly before the Lord. And wisdom will be like a shield 
that will surround your life? How many needs a shield to surround your life? Wisdom will be like a shield that will surround your life. It goes on to say in verse number 8 that it will even guard your path. Wisdom will guard your path. Wisdom will guard your path. So wisdom, the general themes in the book of Proverbs is number one, it begins with the fear of the Lord, the respect of the Lord. Wisdom, what is wisdom? comes from the Hebrew word which means govern or to rule. Your life can never be governed correctly if you don't first respect what the Lord has to say. Does that make sense? You can never govern your life. You can never govern or rule your life successfully if you don't respect what the Lord respects. Can I hear an amen about that? Amen. So wisdom starts in the fear of the Lord. Somebody say the fear of the Lord. Wisdom starts with the fear of the Lord. Number two, this is a common theme in the book of Proverbs, is sexual sin or adultery. 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 And chapter 2 speaks of strange women. Strange women. <clears throat> strange women. Now, I have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. 11 scriptures right here that deals with strange women pursuing after men. But how many knows there's strange women too? And strange men pursuing after women. You have both. But I think that the point is, is that you've got to be careful with sexual sin. You've got to be careful because if you don't use wisdom, you can easily fall into it. The Bible says, if you look at it, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 7 and verse number 5, Proverbs chapter 7 and verse number 5, He, he is saying to his son here, chapter number 7, if you look at chapter number 7, verse number 1, My son, keep my words and treasure my commandments within you. Keep my commandments and live and my law as the apple of your eye. That is verse number 2. Bind them on your fingers and write them on the tablets of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister. And call to understanding as your nearest kin that you may keep yourself from immoral women. See, Scripture after Scripture deals with sexual sin. Proverbs chapter 22, beginning with verse number 14. Proverbs 22, verse number 14 deals with sexual sin, falling into temptation. Proverbs 22, verse 14, the mouth of an immoral woman is a deep pit. Everybody say it's a deep pit. You've got to be careful that you don't get seduced into conversations that open your heart up to sexual sin. Let me say that. You have to be careful that you don't open your heart up and be seduced into sexual sin. It reminds me of the story of Samson and Delilah. You see, this scripture is so true because what did Samson do? The Bible says that Samson opened his heart and the Bible says he shared the secrets of his heart with Delilah. You've got to be careful who you share your heart with. You've got to be careful who you are vulnerable with. And the Scripture is very, very careful that when you do this, you can open your heart to immoral people who desire to take advantage of you. What about Proverbs chapter, um, chapter 29, verse number 3? There's so many Scriptures. I, 
I don't have time to go through all the sexual uh, sin scriptures in Proverbs. I'm just going to highlight a few. Proverbs chapter 29, verse number 3. Proverbs chapter number 29, verse 3. Whoever loves wisdom makes his father rejoice, but a company of harlots waste his wealth. So be careful of harlots. Now, isn't it interesting to me that Solomon, who primarily wrote most of this, had a problem with women? Uh, can I hear an amen up in the church house? Here is a man who is having a problem with women is a problem with women. And this teaches us that the thing that you deal with the strongest, the thing that you preach against the strongest, could be very likely the very strongest sin in your life. Solomon dealt with these strange women over and over and over and over in Proverbs, and yet he was the one that fell into sexual sin. And these women took his heart from the one and true and only God. And so... It teaches us that you have to be very, very careful. You have to be very, very careful um, about this. Can I hear an amen? So not only is there sexual sin, so you see wisdom is a result of the fear of the Lord or the respect of the Lord, but it also deals with sexual sin. And that is really, it's a big component in the book of Proverbs that's found throughout the whole book. And I'm just highlighting a few scriptures uh, what about anger? Anger is the third top theme in the book of Proverbs. Anger. People who get angry. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 23. Excuse me, 16.32. Proverbs 16 and verse number 32. Look at this familiar scripture. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. You've got to control your anger. Because the scripture refers to those who are angry or those who cannot control their anger as foolish people. What happens when you can't control your anger? You say things you don't want to say. You do things you don't want to do. And then you have to apologize for things you normally wouldn't have never said because you let your anger become out of control. Is it wrong to be angry? Absolutely not. It's not wrong to be angry. There is justification for righteous anger. But anger that is uncontrolled, anger that harms and hurts people, becomes sin. Proverbs 16, verse 32, one who is slow to anger, slow to anger. It didn't mean that you can't get angry, but be very careful. One who is slow to anger is better than the mighty and then to rule his spirit. What about uh, Proverbs 19, verse 19? It speaks of anger as well. Proverbs 19, verse 19. Here is, a, here is a wise saying from Solomon. A man of great wrath will suffer punishment. You see that? For if you rescue him, you will have to do it again. Hmm. I mean, knows it's not good to always rescue people out of their trouble. Because the moment you rescue them out of their trouble, you've got to do it over and over and over and over again. So be very, very careful because a man of great wrath or great anger will always suffer punishment. What about Proverbs chapter 22? This, I find this to be an interesting scripture about those who are angry. Proverbs chapter number 22, and beginning with verse number 24. 
24. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 24. And this is what it says. Make no friendship with an angry man. Or with a furious man, do not go. So people who have problems with their temper, Solomon says, don't be friends with them. Why? Because they could, you know, you could fill in the blank. Make no friendship with an angry person. In the Hebrew, it actually means make no friends with a furious, ongoing, furious person. That's what it means in the Hebrew. So it doesn't mean that you can't be friends with somebody who got angry. Don't be friends with somebody who has an anger problem, who is furious and cannot control their emotions with anger. Proverbs chapter 25. Now, don't get so super spiritual on me, and, and you know what I'm saying. Don't, don't go be best friends with somebody like this. You know, Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28. Whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. If you cannot control your emotions. Now we are living in an age where people is all about themselves. Okay? I mean, it's, it's, it's obvious. It really is. And I'm not preaching against Facebook because I use it. I'm not preaching against selfies. But what I am saying is that we are living in an age where we have become consumed about us, ourselves, and we have become consumed about our feelings to the point that our feelings have become the source of authority in our life. Did you hear what this preacher said? Your feelings have become your source of authority in your life. Well, let me just make sure you understand that just because you're offended doesn't mean you're right. Because you're offended doesn't make you right. Now, you could be right, but it doesn't mean you're right. Okay? And because you feel strongly about something doesn't make you the authority on the issue. Alright? You can strongly disagree and strongly have an opinion, but that doesn't make you the authority on that particular thing. Alright? So, what it's saying here, cities in Bible days... The way they protected a city was that they had walls. They didn't have a police force. Okay? They had walls. Walls were a protective defense against the enemy. All right? They had watchmen on the wall. What did a watchman do? He sat on the wall and watched for the enemy. A person who cannot control their emotions, a person who is given to great wrath, a person who is given to great anger is a person who has broken down walls and they're vulnerable to the enemy. That's what that scripture is saying. You've opened yourself to the enemy. You're very vulnerable to the enemy. You have nothing to protect you. You are like a person with a city with broken down walls without defense. Amen. Amen. Now, as Pentecostals, we don't like to control our emotions. We like for our emotions to go wild. But I promise you, it is biblical to control your emotions. Can I hear an amen? Can I hear an amen up in here? Is it okay to show emotions? Yes. But it is not okay to have uncontrolled emotions. See, that's the difference. 
not uncontrolled emotion. It's okay to cry. It's okay to have emotions. But as long as your emotions don't become your source of authority and you don't use your emotions to manipulate people to try to get attention. This is some good preaching up in this church on a Wednesday night. I'm just joking. All right. But you get my point. So whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. So anger. So what is the top themes that seems to reoccur in the book of Proverbs? Now, let's review here. Proverbs comes from a Hebrew word which means to govern or to rule. It's a collection of sayings from primarily Solomon. Right? So it first starts with the general theme found in the book of Proverbs is wisdom. It's it's the knowledge of God, the fear of, excuse me, the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the primary theme uh, in the book of Proverbs, the fear of the Lord. Then it goes to sexual sin. And then he deals with anger. Now these are the top, top themes that reoccur in Proverbs. Anger is a theme. And another theme is this, and this is a big theme in the book of Proverbs, is children are to be instructed by their parents and disciplined by their parents. Boy, uh, that is not very popular nowadays, but uh, Sister Judy, since she's a school teacher, would primarily agree with that, that children need to be disciplined and instructed by their parents. I was reading an article, I'm not sure how long ago it was, but Sister Judy, you would agree with this, but they were it was talking about education in America and how there is a decline of teachers in America because teachers are leaving the educational force in America because they are limited in what they can do. And one of the reasons that they're leaving the educational field is because they have to deal with parents who think that their children never do anything wrong. Sister Judy, would you agree with that assessment? Sister, would you like to stand, Sister Judy, and just shake your head that you agree with the assessment? Yeah, yeah. So, so parents... Teachers are leaving. Is there any other teachers here? Raise your hand. Jonna, you're a teacher. Is, would you agree with that? Yes, you would. Carol, you would agree with that? Yeah. So, so leaving the educational field because the number one complaint is parents who don't discipline their children or think their children do anything wrong. Now, I don't have children, but I see it a lot. I, I mean, it's very obvious that Parents don't think their children do anything wrong. And if you say anything, you're the bad person. You, they ex you. You have the demon. If you can't control them in the playpen, they might go to the state pen. Can I hear an amen? All right. When I was growing up, they introduced you to the board of education. Okay. Now, I'm not saying child abuse is wrong and parents who get angry and cannot control their anger can hurt their children and discipline them and that's wrong. Can I hear an amen? So there is, you have to use balance with it because anything good can be taken to the extreme and that's what the enemy is. The enemy is an extremist. Okay, so it can be an extreme. But properly discipline your children is appropriate according to Scripture. So children are to be instructed and disciplined by their parents. For instance, I mean, the very first chapter, 
deals with Solomon speaking to his son. Proverbs chapter number 1, verse number 8. Proverbs chapter number 1, beginning with verse number 8. My son, hear the instruction of your father and do not forsake the law of your mother. So he's saying to his son, I want you to listen to what you and your, what my, me and your mother has to say to you. Uh, what about chapter 2 in verse number 1? We've already read that, but look at the phrase here. Chapter 2, verse 1. My son, if you receive my words, treasure my commandments within you. You can go on and read the rest of it. Chapter 3, verse number 1. He is still speaking to the young, or he refers to them as his son. Chapter 3, verse number 1. My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of your days and long life and peace, they will add to you. That kind of echoes what the book of Ephesians says about obeying your parents, that your, that your days on earth may be long. So he says, my son, listen to what I have to say so that your days may be long and that you may have peace with you. Do you know that children who are rebellious don't have peace being added to their life? There's no peace being added to their life if you don't obey your parents. What about chapter 4, verse 1? I mean, you go to almost every chapter. He's speaking to the son here. Chapter 4 and verse number 1. Chapter 4, verse 1. Hear, my children, the instruction of a father and give attention to understanding. In other words, it's just not enough to hear me, but you've got to understand what I'm saying. How many has ever said to your children, do you understand what I am saying to you? How many has ever said that? I am talking to you, but do you understand what I am saying? Because wisdom is not only hearing something, but understanding the principle and precept. You understand it. You cannot live or practice something you do not understand. So a part of wisdom is understanding something. It's not good if you come to church and you leave church thinking, boy, that was a great sermon and somebody asks you, what did he preach on? Well, I don't know. It was good, though. I, I don't really understand where he was going with it, but it was really good. You know, that, that's not good that we say that stuff. It is imperative that we hear correctly and understand correctly so that we may bear fruit. How can you apply something to your life if you don't understand it? Somebody say amen. You can't apply anything to your life if you don't understand it. You've got to understand it. Now, I think there's a... Well, I know there is, if I can find it. I think it's Matthew chapter... And Jesus had this very same problem. Yes. Uh, Matthew chapter 13. I want you to look at this. Matthew 13, verse number 18. Matthew 13, verse 18. Look at the, look at the phrase that Jesus uses here. He's talking about a parable. The word parable is the same thing as proverb. Okay? Proverb, parable, in the same family. He gives this parable of this sower. And then he says this, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not... Does not what? Does not what? Then the wicked one comes and snatches it away of what was sown in the heart. 
how does the enemy steal from you? What did you say, Brother Mike? A lack of understanding. A lack of understanding. The enemy steals when you don't understand. How can you bear fruit? How can you change? How can you be a tree planted by rivers of living water if you don't understand the word in which you meditate? He says the enemy comes and snatches it away from your heart. Then he goes on, goes on. Verse number 20. But he who received, verse 19, verse 20. But he who received the seed on stony ground, that is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no what? Root. Verse 21. No root in himself but endures only for a while. For when tribulation and persecution arises, because of the word, immediately he stumbles. But he who receives the seed among the thorns is the one who hears the word, cares, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke out the word and becomes unfruitful. But he who receives the seed on good ground is he who hears the word and... Verse 23, please. He who hears the word and... And what? And what? Understands it. Is he who bears the fruit and produces some hundred and some sixty and some thirtyfold. Now, it has been, this is the trick of the enemy. If you study church history, the Roman church for years have tried to keep the word of God from the laity. And their primary reasoning for that was this. You do not understand it. We understand it. So therefore, the hierarchy of the church will interpret the scriptures to you. But in doing so, they control the laity. That is a trick of the enemy to say that you are not capable of understanding the word. Never say that you're not, you can't understand it. You can understand it because the Holy Spirit is the paraclete and he can illuminate the word of God to you. Can somebody say amen? You can understand the word of God. Who hears the word and understands it, bears fruit. So here, you have to understand it. So it's just not wisdom is not receiving. Wisdom is not receiving information. Wisdom is receiving instruction, but understanding instruction and applying it to your life. Wisdom is not wisdom if you don't apply it. Wisdom is threefold. You hear instruction. You understand instruction. You apply the instruction to your life. That is wisdom. And when you have those threefold working in your life, you can govern your life. But you can't govern your life if you don't understand it. Hear, understand, apply. So, the major themes in the book of Proverbs is the fear of the Lord. Somebody say fear of the Lord. Then there's sexual sin. Somebody say sexual sin. Then there's anger. Somebody say anger. And then children receiving instruction from their, their parents. Let's just read a few more here because uh, I think it's important. Just, let's just focus a few more scriptures on children being instructed by their parents and disciplined by their parents. Uh, what about the one who says... Um, Proverbs 13, verse 1. Proverbs 13, verse 1. Talking about children obeying parents. Proverbs chapter number 
13, verse number 1. A wise son will heed his father's instruction. Somebody read the rest of it for me. But a what? Does not what? Listen to rebuke. So a person, a wise son, will listen to the instruction of his father. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 6. I like this scripture. And grandparents, you will like this. Proverbs chapter 17 and verse number 6. Proverbs 17, verse number 6. Children's children are the crown of old men, and the glory of children is their father. In other words, grandchildren are the crown of old men or older people. I mean, knows that grandchildren can be a blessing. Proverbs chapter 17 and verse number 25. Proverbs chapter 17, verse number 25, this is true. A foolish son is a grief to his father and bitterness to her and who bore him. That's strong language. I never want to be grief to my parents, do you? Never be grief to your parents. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 18. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 18 speaks of discipline your children. Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 18. Chasten your son while there is hope and do not set your heart on his destruction. One translation says, discipline your son while there is hope. Discipline your son while there is hope. Proverbs chapter 20 verse 11. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 11. This is an interesting scripture. Proverbs chapter 20, verse number 11. Even a child is known by his deeds, whether what he does is pure and right. In other words, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out what your child is doing. His actions tell on them. Tell, tells on himself. Proverbs chapter 22 and verse number 6. Proverbs chapter 22 and verse number 6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. He will not depart from it. Proverbs 22 verse 15. Proverbs 22 verse 15 states it like this. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, and the rod of correction would drive it far from him. Proverbs 23 and verse 13. Proverbs 23, verse number 13. Do not withhold correction from a child, for if you beat him with a rod, he will not die. Now that sounds kind of odd and strange. Beat him with a rod. The word beat is the Hebrew word discipline. For if you discipline him with a rod... He will not die. That sounds a little better, don't it? If you discipline him with a rod, he will not die. Don't withhold correction from a child. Proverbs chapter 23 in verse number 22. Proverbs 23 in verse number 22. Proverbs 23 verse number 22 states it like this. Listen to your father who begot, begot, begot you and do not despise your mother when she is old. So listen 
to your parents. And then the last one we'll do. Proverbs 23, verse 24. Proverbs 23, verse 24. The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice. He who begets a wise child will delight in him. So children bring their father and mother rejoicing. All right? So you see the themes of Proverbs. Another theme in Proverbs is correction. Correction. Not necessarily the correction of children, but correction in life. Heeding to correction in life. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 17. But in the way of life, Proverbs chapter 10, verse 17, but in the way of life, keep instruction. Keep instruction. Keep instruction. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 17, he who keeps instruction is in the way of life, but he who refuses correction goes astray. So really, if, and I'm not going to look at all the scriptures, but the person who refuses correction it, the book of Proverbs over and over and over, and I'm not going to read all of them to you, calls you a fool. If you do not receive correction in life, you are simply a fool, is what the book of Proverbs labels you as. And if you are going to be a fool, the end of your life is going to be destruction and death because you refuse to heed uh, correction. Another, another uh, example in the book of Proverbs or a theme in Proverbs is heeding to wise counsel. Heeding to wise counsel. Now isn't it ironic that these things that I'm listing is practical things in life that can help govern your life. So heeding to wise counsel. And there's a multitude of scriptures of people giving heed to wise counsel. As a matter of fact, the book of Proverbs is very clear that counsel or wisdom can be found in a counsel of multitude. In a counsel or the Hebrew refers to counselors as advisors. That safety and wisdom is found in a council of advisors. So a person who is their own source of authority and refuses to listen to people, according to Proverbs, that's not the way of the righteous. For the way of the righteous is people who give heed to a wisdom or a council uh, of advisors. Proverbs chapter 11 and verse number 14. Proverbs 11 verse 14. Listen to this phrase about heeding to wise counsel. Where there is no counsel, the people will fail. But in the multitude of counselors, the Hebrew word advisors, there is safety. So if you want safety in your life, heed to a multitude of counselors. Not your four no more, but a, but a multitude of counselors. A multitude of counsels, counselors. What about Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 15? Listen to this phrase. Proverbs chapter number 12 and verse number 15. Very clear. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he, but he who heeds counsel is wise. Remember at the beginning of this, this lecture that I told you that there is the way of the righteous or the way of the wise, and there is the way of the wicked or the way of the foolish. The way of the wise or the way of the righteous is a person who gives heed to wise counsel. Every person thinks they're right in their own eyes. Because that is the tactic of the enemy. Lucifer thought he was wise in his own eyes. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. Do you understand, ladies and gentlemen, that that is the problem of the human heart? 
the problem of the human heart has been the problem for thousands of years. It is pride. From pride, there is selfishness. From Pride is the center of sin. That's where it all comes from. Pride is the exaltation of self. I'm not going to admit my fault. I'm not going to confess. I'm not going to open up and talk to no one. You, you have become your own source of authority. See what I'm saying? It's pride. The way of the fool. Everybody's right. Everybody thinks they're right. A fool is a person who thinks they're right and is never open to counsel. That's a fool. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. There is so many scriptures about this. They're right here. The whole list of them. About the way of a fool is a person who does not give heed to instruction, does not give heed to understanding, and in the end there's destruction. There's so many of them I can't even read all of them to you. But I'm just going to do three. How's that? Uh, what about Proverbs 15 verse 22? I think this is important for me to read because... This is the generation we live in. I mean, especially with young people. They don't want to give heed to any counsel or advice. Am I right about it? Proverbs chapter 15, verse number 22. Proverbs chapter 15, verse number 22. Without counsel, what happens? Plans go away or astray. But in the multitude of counselors, they're what? Established. Plans are established in the multitude of counsel. But when there is no counsel, your plans will fail. Your plans will fail. What about Proverbs chapter 20, verse number 5? Proverbs chapter 20, verse number 5. Proverbs 20, verse number 5. Listen to what Solomon said here about counsel. Proverbs 20, verse 5. He says, counsel in the heart of a man is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. Man, I read that scripture. That's powerful. Because I love getting with people who have been in ministry longer than I have been. I love getting with people who are successful in business. I love to go, and I, you know what I love to do? I love to listen, and I love to ask questions. I want to draw it out of them. I mean, if you're going to be around me for a little bit, I want to, I want to, I want to pick your brain. I want to talk to you. I want to draw it out of you. I want to, I want to get advice. I want to get wisdom. I want to, how, how, how did you do it? And why did you do it that way? A man of understanding will know how to draw it out of a person. Can I hear an amen? Now, we live in a generation of people that don't know, I, I feel intimidated. I'm not going to open my mouth because I, you know, that, that's not the way to do it. You get around them, and if they, and they want to shun you, if they want, that, that's up to them. But you take the opportunity and you learn from people. You grow from people. You, you draw it out of people. You take counsel from people. You open, and that doesn't mean you agree with everything they say. And it doesn't mean that you'll follow everything they say. We've got to understand the more that we grow in the Lord, you're going to have to understand and have a spirit of discernment that we're not going to agree with everything, but I have the spirit of discernment and I know what I need to follow and what I don't need to follow. We can't be afraid of information. Because we're afraid of going astray. 
A part of growing in the Lord is learning how to discern between right and wrong. Are you all out there? So, in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Proverbs 24, verse 6. Proverbs chapter 24, verse number 6. Proverbs 24, verse number 6. For by wise counsel you will wage your own war, but in the multitude of counselors there is safety. By your, wise, by your own counsel, you're going to have to fight your own war. If you listen to yourself, you fight it yourself. But if you will open yourself to people who are advisors and counselors, there is safety. Isn't that a powerful scripture? If you listen to your own wise counsel, you've got to fight your own war. That's powerful. But if you open yourself up to wise counsel, there's safety. Because you're not the only one fighting, they're fighting for you and with you. Amen. I think that's one of the most powerful scriptures in the book of Proverbs right there. How many knows I don't want, how many would testify tonight, Pastor? I don't want to fight my own war. It's too big for me to fight. I can't fight it any longer. I can't sort it out any longer. I've got to have the counsel of people. Not only is there is, not only in Proverbs is this need for counseling, that's a theme. But another theme in the book of Proverbs is don't be a fool. It's interesting that in the book of Proverbs, you have the word fool. The word fool appears on almost every other chapter in the book of Proverbs. Do you know what the word fool means in the book of Proverbs? The word fool in Hebrew means silly or unlearned or, uh, or foolish in thinking or null of understanding is what a fool is. So simply, just to put it in our language, is a fool is somebody who does not seek understanding. A fool who does not seek counsel. That is a fool according to the book of Proverbs. The Bible, and how do I know that? Because Proverbs chapter number 1, verse 7. Look at it. Proverbs chapter number 1 and verse number 7. Proverbs chapter number 1 and verse number 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. They despise wisdom and instruction. The Bible also says in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 22, verse 22 of the same chapter, verse 22, it says that fools, how long, you simple ones? He says, scoffers delight in their own scorning, but fools hate knowledge. They hate knowledge. They don't want to go after knowledge. They don't want to learn. They don't want to grow. They don't want to have understanding. If you're growing in the Lord, there should be a desire to, for understanding and instruction. Can I hear an amen? There should be this desire for instruction and learning and growing. Proverbs 1.22. Also, one translation says, How long will you continue to be simple and despise the instruction and understanding of the Lord? I like that. How long will you be simple and despise instruction and understanding? What about... Proverbs chapter 3, verse 35. Now this is speaking of those who are a fool. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse number 35. Proverbs chapter 3, verse number 35. Look at what Solomon says here about the fool. Simply says that 
The wise shall inherit glory, but shame shall be the legacy of fools. Shame will be the legacy of your life if you do not heed to instruction. Instruction. Proverbs chapter 28, and I'll close with, I'll, I'll end with this section with uh, about fools with this one. Look at this one. Proverbs chapter number 28, verse 26. Speaking of the foolish, Proverbs chapter number 28 and verse number 26. He who trusts in his own heart is a... But whoever walks wisely will be delivered. Remember, a few minutes ago I talked about you got to be careful that you don't become your own source of authority. You got to be careful that you don't trust your opinion. and your, You got to be very, very careful that you don't set yourself up to be your own source of authority, but that you find safety in the multitude of advisors. You find safety in the multitude of counselors. That's not saying that everything you think and your opinion and ideas are always wrong. But I am saying that you find safety in the multitude of advisors and counselors. So you find here in the book of Proverbs these major themes. One of the major themes is the fear of the Lord, which is basically the respect of the Lord. You find uh, a theme of sexual sin all throughout the book. And there's so many scriptures here. It would take me all night to read all of these scriptures. But you see these major themes. Sexual sin, adultery is a major theme in, in the book of Proverbs. Children, uh, anger is a huge theme in the book of Proverbs. Um, children being instructed and disciplined by their parents. Uh, Excuse me, correction in life is a theme. Counsel is a theme. Heeding to wise counsel is a theme. Um, don't be a fool is a theme in the book of Proverbs. And a couple more themes is having true friends is a theme. Friendship is a theme. Friendship is a theme. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 7. Or some people would say your companion, what your, the company that you hang around with. The company or your friends, I'll just use the word friendship. The company or your friends who you hang out with is very, 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 very important. Uh, Proverbs chapter 13, look at this. Proverbs 13 verse 20 states it like this. Your friends or those who you hang out with. Proverbs chapter number 13 and verse number 20. He who walks with wise men will be wise. But the company of fools will be destroyed. You got to be careful who you are walking with. John Maxwell said, "You show me your you show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. You show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. You got to be careful of the friends that you hang out with. Is your friends making inspiring you to be more like Jesus, or are they taking you from Jesus? And if if we've got to be careful of the friends we choose." then my God, what about the spouse that you choose? You don't marry somebody to change them or to save them. So if this Proverbs, and I'm going to read more scriptures here, is giving you a warning of the company that you hang out with, then I think it stands to reason that you've got to be careful who you marry for life. You've got to be careful who you marry for life. 40%, 48% according to the George Barna research, Christians end up in divorce. George Barna stated in his research, he said, one of the primary reasons that this happens is because people don't give serious thought to the commitment of marriage. 
serious thought to the commitment of marriage. Marriage counseling before marriage is almost non-existent in the Protestant church, while Catholicism requires you to go through six months of marriage counseling before you're married in the Catholic church. It's a problem. You've got to be careful who you hang out with. I would agree with George Barna, wouldn't you? So he who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. Those who walk together as fools will eventually be destroyed. Proverbs 18, verse 24. Proverbs 18, verse 24. Proverbs 18, and verse number 24. A man that has friends must be friendly. A man who has friends must himself be friendly. So that really cures the connection problem. People say, boy, I don't feel connected. That, that's your answer. You have, to be friend, you have to continue to be friendly. Not just one time. Continue to show yourself friendly. I promise you, you will eventually make a friend. Eventually, you will. I'm not saying the first day. I'm not even going to say the first week. And I'm not, you know, you, you may even feel lonely and disconnected, but I promise you eventually somebody's going to latch on to you. <laughs> Amen? He that shows himself, if you want a friend, you've got to show yourself friendly. He says, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Now, we like to spiritualize that, but when it was written, it was not speaking of Jesus. In the context of it, it's talking about a friend, that you can't have a friend. Now, context here. Don't spiritualize it. The context is, if you show yourself friendly to someone, it's possible that you may develop a friend that's closer than a blood relative. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. That's the context of the Scripture. The context rules Context states, if you are friendly, you can have a friend, and that friend might stick closer than somebody that's a brother or a blood-related person. I, 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 that is true. That is true. Because I have developed friends, and I have friends that's closer to me than my blood relatives. And I hear an amen. That is very true. How many would testify to that's truth? It's very, very true. A proverb is very true. So we need friends. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17. Proverbs chapter 17, 27, excuse me, 27, 17. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Of his friend. In other words, friends become like friends. You become who you hang out with the most. You become who you hang out with the most. Two other things that you see in the book of Proverbs is the book of Proverbs, one of the major themes, two other themes, is that liars is an abomination to God. Those people who have lying lips is an abomination of God to God. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 19, the lip of truth shall be established forever. Liars is an abomination to God. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 22. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse number 22. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. Proverbs 12 and verse 22. Proverbs chapter number 19 and verse number 5. Proverbs 19 verse number 5. Proverbs chapter 
19 and verse number 5. A false witness will not go unpunished, and he who speaks lies will not escape. So, um, on and on, there's tons of scriptures about those who lie are, this is a serious, serious uh, abomination to the Lord. Did you know George Barna, he's a Christian statistician, he says that the top sins of the church, the top sins of the church that we overlook is first, number one, is lying. Number two, flattery. Telling people that's not necessarily the truth. Number three, he says, exaggeration. That's probably very true. Exaggeration. Lying, flattery, exaggeration, gluttony was one that was listed that was overlooked in the church. Everybody said, we'll just go on from there. He says those were some of the top ones. Lying, flattery, exaggeration, and gluttony. Lying, that's true. How much flattery that we do that's actually lying. Exaggeration that we lie about. We overlook and we seem like it's completely... Have, have we done those things? All of us have messed up in those areas. We've all messed up in those areas. But the book of Proverbs gives us wisdom to govern our life that we are careful about the very words that we speak. The very careful about the words that we speak. Liars are an abomination to the Lord. One of the other things uh, that the Scripture speaks of is your mouth or your tongue. And we can go on. And I'm just going to read these very quickly. Proverbs 10, 11, The mouth of the righteous is the well of life. Proverbs 10, verse 11. Proverbs 10, verse 12. Love covers a multitude of sin. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 18 in the multitude of wise words, there is no sin. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 31. The mouth of the just brings forth wisdom. Proverbs 11, verse 19. The mouth of the just brings forth life. Excuse me, I'm sorry. That's Proverbs 11, 9. Excuse me. A hypocrite with his mouth destroys his neighbor. Destroys his neighbor. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 13. Someone who runs his mouth reveals the secrets of men's hearts. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 13. The wicked is ensnared by the transgression of his own lips. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 14. A man shall be satisfied by the fruit of his own mouth. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18. The tongue of the wise is health. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 2. He that keeps his mouth will keep his life in the end. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1, a soft answer will turn away wrath. Proverbs 15, verse 4, a wholesome tongue is a tree of life. Proverbs 15, verse 28, the righteous will study to answer, but the wicked will spout off with his mouth. Help us, Jesus. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 9, love covers a transgression, but gossip will separate friends. Gossip will separate friends. Gossip will separate friends. That's true, isn't it? Proverbs 17, verse 27. Spare your words, even a fool holds his peace and is counted wise. In other words, a closed mouth gathers no flies. From a different translation. Proverbs 18, verse 4. A fool 
mouth is his own destruction, and the words of a talebearer are his wounds. Proverbs 18, verse number 13. Listen to this. Proverbs 18, verse 13. It is a shame to answer a matter before you hear it. He who answers a matter before he hears it is folly and shame to him. It's good. In other words, hear it out before you open your mouth up. Am I right about it? That probably applies to Facebook too. So hear the matter out before you give your opinion. Hmm. Proverbs 18 verse 19. Look at this scripture. The book of Proverbs is filled with the wealth of information. It's crazy. A brother offended is harder to win than a strong city. I mean, that's how many will raise your hand and say, Pastor, that is very true. Why is a why now let me, let me stop you. Why is a brother that's offended hard to win? Because he thinks he's right. He thinks he's right. He thinks he's right. Uh on and on, the book of Proverbs has these themes. And what we're doing tonight is looking at the main themes of Proverbs, just the main categories of Proverbs. And we would all agree that choosing your words wisely is a main theme in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 21, Proverbs 21, 23 states it like this. Proverbs 21 and verse number 23, whoever keeps his tongue or his mouth keeps a soul from trouble. So keeping your mouth and keep your tongue, the scripture says, is going to keep you from trouble. What about somebody who flatters people with their words? The scripture says in Proverbs 26, 28, 26, a flattering tongue will bring forth destruction. A flattering tongue will bring forth destruction. Proverbs 27, verse 5, look at this. Proverbs 27, verse number 5, states it like this. Open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. Or in other words, open rebuke is better than secret love. So it's better that you just tell people the truth than to keep things from them. Don't. Just tell the truth. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 23. Proverbs 28, verse number 23. Rebuke is better than flattery. Rebuke is better than flattery. He who rebukes a man will find more favor afterwards than he who flatters with the tongue. Hmm. Proverbs 29, verse 20. 29, verse 20. States it like this, that a man hasty in his words, Proverbs 29, verse 20, a man hasty in his words is worse than a fool. Do you see a man hasty in his words? There is more hope for a fool than him. Be careful the way that you speak. Be careful the way that you speak. Be careful the way you speak. Another theme in the book of Proverbs is lazy people. Lazy people. It seems to me that Solomon has very weak patience for lazy people. <laughs> Can I hear an amen? Matter of fact, he has strong language for people who are lazy. He tells these lazy people, you need to go watch the ant, you sluggard. <laughs> How many would agree with, it's not good to be lazy? He says that if you're lazy, he says lazy people get up and look out the window and say there's a lion out in the road and they cannot work. 
So they go back to bed and they swing upon their bed like a door swings upon hinges. You know what Solomon is saying? A lazy person makes up excuses of why they can't go to work. They get up and look out the window and say, there's a lion in the road. That's a lazy excuse. That's a pathetic excuse. He says, people who are lazy find excuses why they don't want to work. How many, has in, how many does not have patience with the lazy people? Raise your hand. Okay, five of you. I said, how many don't have patience with lazy people? Get up and work. Do something. The hand of the diligent, the Bible says, shall rule. But the hand of the slothful, he says, shall end in destruction. He says, the way of the lazy is like a bed full of thorns. A bed full of thorns, the way of the lazy. An idle man shall suffer and be of hunger. Proverbs 19, verse 15. A slothful, lazy man won't work, the Scripture says. Proverbs 19, verse 21. He also says, and this, this is humorous, Proverbs chapter number 20, and verse 4. Those who are lazy or sluggards won't plow because of winter. Proverbs 20, verse 4. But when it's harvest time, they'll begin to beg. In other words, they don't want to work, but when they're in need, they want something. When, they, when they're in need, they want something. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 13, he says, Proverbs chapter 22, verse 13, he says, a slothful or lazy man says there's a lion out there. In other words, use an excuse why they don't need to work. Don't need to work. He says, I'm going to be slain in the streets if I go out there. I can't go to work. And lastly, and in closing tonight, the last theme in the book of Proverbs is lending to the poor. Those who lend to the poor actually lend to God. Lend to the poor. Those who lend to the poor actually lends to God over and over. The book of Proverbs does an excellent job of defending those who are without and those who do not have the resources to provide for themselves or cannot work because of sickness or, 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 or poor or, or they are working and don't have the means to take care of it. He says in Proverbs chapter 25, verse 21, that when you give food and water even to your enemy, he says you're going to heap coals of fire upon their head. He says you need to know those. Know your flock. He says go ahead and lend to the poor because he that lends to the poor actuality will actually lend to God. You're given to God when you give to the poor. So the book of Proverbs tonight, now I know I hopefully I didn't bore you with all these general themes throughout the book of Proverbs, but this is, this is the way we're going to do it. From now on, starting next week, we're going to go by chapters in the book of Proverbs. I have given you the general themes found in the book of Proverbs. You see that the word, the word proverb means to govern or it means to rule by. It's a collection of sayings primarily from, the, from Solomon. And what we're going to do week after week throughout this year, we're going to take a chapter and we're going to explore the chapter uh, in the book of Proverbs. So next week, we're going to explore chapter number one in the book of Proverbs. So how many is going to come next week in the and study chapter one in the book of Proverbs? You don't want to miss it. Now, you know the general themes in the book of Proverbs. And since you know them, when we start to study the book of Proverbs, 
you're going to see these themes. These themes are everywhere. You're going to see uh, the fear of the Lord, sexual sin, your mouth. You'll see these major themes throughout the book of Proverbs. And you're going to see other themes, but the themes that I've listed is the major dominant themes found throughout the book of Proverbs. Amen?